This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. And I'm ready to dig in tonight. And whenever I spoke last time, we talked on the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness, and the sovereignty of God. It was like an hour-long sermon. So I decided to reel this next one in. We're only going to cover his omniscience. And I hope that it's a lot more bite-sized for you to take something home instead of an information overload where you sort of take on very little. Um, Forgive me for doing that. That was definitely a, a swinging for the fence. Heavenly Father, I pray that you come tonight and you just shut down my mouth with anything that would be me. I open my mouth just purely with your word. Let every part of this glorify you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. We are jumping into week three of our series, Who is Like Our God? We are not studying God's works. We are studying who God is, his very attributes. Instead of looking around to see what he has done, we are looking up to study him. And I love what A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. The most important thing about you is not your GPA. It's not your preferences, your musical talents, your friends, nothing. The most important thing about you is what you think about who God is. Because your understanding of who God is will direct your life choices. It will blossom out through your character. It will give you direction day in and day out. through your, And it will affect your words and your actions and your thoughts. One psalmist tried to wrap his mind around how big God was and... Being completely mind-blown, wrote these verses that our series stands on. It's Psalm 113, 2-6. Blessed be the name of Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of Yahweh is to be praised. Yahweh is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like Yahweh, our God, who is seated on high and looks far down on the heavens and the earth? So we have covered his aseity, his self-existence, the fact that he is eternal in both directions on the timeline, his creativity, that he created all things, his omnipotence, that he has all power. And because of all of these things, he is sovereign, meaning he has the right to rule all of his creation, and he is unchallenged in his authority. Tonight, we're going to dig into his omniscience. So while we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we visited one of the biggest playgrounds I have ever seen. We were there for eight hours and our kids still did not play on everything. There were, there were these giant climbing things that my daughter fell eight to 10 feet from and survived and in tears climbed them again. And there were these giant like crawling mazes and there was a maze of mirrors and there was musical instruments and there was everything you could think of to pack into one park. But the chief thing of fun for my kids was this three-story slide. 
And you had to climb this maze of ladders to get to the top. And you just, I mean, maybe nobody else did, but me personally, I just screamed the whole way down. It was terrifying. It was made out of aluminum. And you're just in this pipe, three stories. And that was awesome. Now, to get up there and to climb these maze of ladders, my daughter and youngest both thought this was like the best thing ever. They have no concept of danger. They have no concept of getting hurt. They just throw themselves at things. Now, my oldest, uh, my namesake, Dominic, he got onto this ladder, and I kid you not, the ladder might have been eight or ten feet tall. And it's just a series of ladders. And he gets up to about eye level, and I'm just watching the kids and supporting them, make sure they're not falling. And he gets up to where his waist is at my eye line, and right there he freezes on the ladder. And he starts telling me that he can't climb any higher. And I'm like, Dominic, it's okay. I'm right here. I'm, my hands, don't you see my hands are right here next to you? He's like, oh, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall. Like, Dominic, I have thrown you higher than this. We have dodged ceiling fans together. I promise you, I will catch you if you fall. I'm going to fall. And he doesn't realize I'm right here. I'm all around him. I see. All he needs to do is make one more step. And if he comes down, he's just going to fall on my head. I've got this kid. And it was in that moment, standing there with him in panic, that I realized how often I do that with God. That God is calling me into tomorrow. And he's calling me outside of my comfort zone. And over and over again, I'm going, God, I'm going to fail. It's all going to fall apart. Bad things are going to happen. My reputation is on the line. And it's never going to work out. And God's going, slow down. Look how much I've brought you through. My hands are right here. I know that I've got you. I know that you have the ability. When we look at God and study his omniscience, His omniscience simply means that he knows everything that there is to know. Romans 11, 33-34. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! Exclamation mark. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given him instruction? the depth, the unfathomable unfathomable depth of his knowledge cannot be searched. Omni means all, and science means knowledge. He has all knowledge. There is nothing he does not know. Of all that there is in the past, in the present, and in the future, all of it is current in his mind. He never learns anything. He never has to reason something out. He never has to wait to see what's going to transpire. Nothing ever catches him off guard. He knows all things comprehensively, perfectly, and immediately. And his omniscience can be understood in five different ways, five different aspects of his omniscience. And the first thing is that his knowledge is totally exhaustive, down to the smallest detail. He knows every one of the stars by name, and he knows how many hairs are on your head. From the macro to the micro, he knows everything. And Jesus said that even a small, unimportant sparrow, if it falls, God knows about it. He knows all the activities of every individual person in every place and at all times. He knows our thoughts, our motives, and what we're going to do next. Psalm 147.5 says his knowledge is infinite. Job 37.16 says his knowledge is perfect. 1 John 1 verse 5 says God is light and in him is no darkness. In the New Testament, we understand light as meaning knowledge and understanding, and darkness meaning blindness, foolishness, and self-chosen ignorance, which means that to God there are no gaps in his knowledge or understanding. 
He has no blind spots. A.W. Tozer says that God knows all that can be known. He knows all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires, and every unuttered, unspoken secret. So his knowledge is completely exhaustive. The second thing we know about God's knowledge is that it is eternal. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. What separates God from everybody else? Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, from eternity, that way, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel, my understanding, my decision shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Everything he knows, he has already known from eternity past. We have grown up through school. In kindergarten, we learn stuff. And in first grade, we learned a little more stuff. And in second grade, we learned stuff. And in ninth grade, we started figuring out how to fake like we learned stuff, which helps us survive the rest of high school. But we're always growing. God never had a point where he was less knowledgeable than he always has been and always will be. He never had to develop. He knows the future because he's the one who ordained and wrote it. In the second half of Isaiah, God is testing himself against the idols and the gods of the surrounding countries. And he says this, how will you know what a true God is? A true God will speak prophecy and it will always come to pass. Separating himself from their very dumb, deaf, and blind idols. Consider this. Let's say I told you this. I will, future tense, pull into the lighthouse parking lot at 5.42 p.m. on April 4th, 2021. That's today. And you, would, and you guys might be like, well, Dom, that's, that's easy. Of course you would know that. You know that no traffic will hold you up. You know that nothing would affect. You can tell us exactly, concretely, when you pulled in. Exactly. And that is how our eternal outside of time God works. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow because he's outside of time and he not already, he not only sees it, but he's also the one who made it happen. Therefore, from his perspective, it's done. It's already concrete. From our perspective, it's still in the future. Are you following me? He is the God who has already orchestrated time and from his perspective, it's done. So when he speaks, he can speak with the utmost of confidence. When we trust him, we can rely on the concrete confidence that everything he has said he will do as it is already done. This should give Jesus' followers incredible peace because we can trust God with all the aspects of our lives. He knows what's around the corner. He sees the things that we don't see. And he has everything worked out according to his glory and for our good because he's already done it. Consider how this relates to prayer. He knows the best answers to give us in prayer. He brings everything into an account when he says, yes, wait for it, or no, I have better for you. He already has a full understanding of every aspect. We can praise God for the times he says no. Think about that. I think there's a country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Is that a song? Yeah? Yeah, I don't. Yay, country, I guess. But God 
never leaves a prayer unanswered. Sometimes he just doesn't answer the way we like. But it's coming from a God who is omniscient. So his knowledge is exhaustive. His knowledge is eternal. And third, his knowledge is immediate, meaning that God knows all things simultaneous at the same time. He never has to recall, hold on, let me remember that. Or he never has to go through the filing cabinet of his memory the way we do. All knowledge is current and present simultaneously and immediately in his mind. He never has to add to it. He can never be more knowledgeable in one area than in another. And nobody, not even you or I, has to be his informant. Isaiah 40, 13 through 14 Who has directed, recognize these are all rhetorical questions with an obvious answer. Who has directed the Spirit of God, as in given God direction? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? And who taught him knowledge? And who showed him the way of understanding? Who was there before the beginning of time that said, God, I think what would really be a good idea is doing this? No. The obvious answer to all these rhetorical questions is no one. This should give Jesus' followers peace in knowing that he hears all of our prayers simultaneously. He knows your situation perfectly and currently. He doesn't have to buffer. It's not like Bruce Almighty where it's just this overwhelming mass of noise in his head. He understands in his present, knowing everything in every one of our lives across creation from beginning to end in eternity. Immediately. His knowledge is immediate. So he hears your prayers and he hears my prayers. And he walks with each of us. We are not cluing him in to what's going on down here. Who are we to give him advice on how his plan is going? (laughs) Prayer has never been for his benefit. It's always been for ours. It's not an attempt to sway him, but prayer is our exercise to be aligned with him. We come to prayer on our knees with our hands open saying, Lord, you can place in or take from my hands whatever you will, according to your sovereign purposes, and I surrender. And I will bring my petitions to you. I will bring to the best of my ability a prayer that I, that I, that I feel aligns with your scriptures and aligns with your word, but I, I hold it loosely, empty-handed for you. And it aligns our hearts with him. So his knowledge is exhaustive. His knowledge is eternal. His knowledge is immediate. And I love this. I thought this one was so much fun. He also has possible knowledge, which means he knows exactly what would have happened had he made a different decision. Look at this. This is so fun. Matthew 11, 21 through 23. Listen for a key word. Jesus is talking, and he's actually bringing judgment to the people around him for not believing his word. And he says to this, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works had been done in you that had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus is saying, if I would have brought the same message to the Gentiles, the unbelievers out there, they would have repented. But I'm bringing the message to God's people, God's people, the Jews, and you guys are hardening your hearts. And he continues, and you, Capernaum, Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. He's talking to the Jews, to God's people. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, that evil city, 
that's like a proverb for evil in the Old Testament, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So think about this. God also knows every other possibility of what would have happened. And Jesus is saying, had the same miracles been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. And yet God in his sovereign decision-making, in his sovereign will, chose to rain judgment on Sodom and to bring hope to his people. God does not make decisions arbitrarily. He knows the outcomes, the butterfly effect of every decision because he ordains the outcomes according to his will. So his knowledge is exhaustive. It's eternal. It's immediate. And he also knows every outcome of every decision he makes. And five, this is where the rubber meets the road. His knowledge is penetrating. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of Yahweh are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Our God sees through walls. He sees what's done in secret. And he sees what happens in darkness. Psalm 139, 11 through 12, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, as in someone wanting to sin says, secrecy is going to cover me, and the light about might be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. What can be done in secret that God does not know? He knows what's going on behind the closed doors of your house. You know, for some of us, that may be comforting to know that someone sees injustice, that someone is aware that the God of justice knows all things. So for some of us, it might be convicting. It might rattle us a little bit to know that God is current and present and watching. So it's violating, it's convicting, and it's comforting. God even sees what's going on from behind the closed doors of our hearts. Proverbs 21.2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We can justify, we can rationalize, we can make ourselves feel better about our sin and about our decisions and about our lack of action, our laziness, but God, his knowledge is penetrating to our heart. 1 Kings 8.39, Here in heaven your dwelling place, and forgive and act, and render to each whose heart you know, according to all his ways. For you, you only know the hearts of all the children of mankind. He sees through every motive, and he understands who we truly are. Remember the story of David, when Samuel came to the house of Jesse? And he has all the brothers lined up, and he goes from brother to brother, asking the Lord, is this the one? Is this the future king? And what does God say? Man looks on the outside, but I see the heart. There's a boy out there in the fields that isn't here right now. Go get him. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. This is such a beautiful, central verse to God's omniscience and how he knows us. Oh, Yahweh, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. That's a bracket that represents our whole day, when we're down and when we're up. Search, meaning that God searched us just like the 12 spies searched out Israel before they entered. 
known me, known as in that intimate choosing love relationship. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my laying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Yahweh, you know it altogether. When there's a mistaken perception about you, when people are gossiping, there is someone who knows the truth about who you are. Search me and know me, O Lord. But you know what? Whenever you try to put on a mask, you're only fooling yourself that you fooled everyone because God's knowledge is penetrating. He knows who's behind the mask. He knows our thoughts and our hearts. But you know what? This should give Jesus' followers peace because that means that means that God knows your filth and he knows the wretchedness that you bring to the table and chose to love you anyway. That our God would step out of heaven for us knowing who we are through and through, penetrating us and choose to love you and go to the cross for me and you anyway. What kind of value has he placed on us? Well, it's a value I don't know. It's a worth that I'll never understand. Who is like our God that we can hide in the peace of knowing we are loved at our worst? How incredible is our God? So if you've been paying attention, there's three reasons that we can find peace in his omniscience. Number one, we can rest in his knowledge of the future. Remember Dominic on the ladder? We don't have to be afraid because he's got us. He knows every outcome because he's already ordained it. Romans 8, 28. If I haven't repeated this enough for you to memorize yet, you should get on that. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Number two, we can rest in knowing that we are always heard. Boy, that's peaceful. Just knowing that he hears us. Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. First Peter 3, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We can rest in his knowledge of the future. We can rest in knowing we are heard. And three, we can rest in knowing he loves us while knowing us completely. Psalm 66, 19 through 20. But truly God has listened. He has attained to the voice of my prayer, attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast unending, unmoving love from me. Thank you, Jesus. So recap, God holds all knowledge. His knowledge is exhaustive. It has no boundaries in time. It is all simultaneous. He understands all possibilities, and he even penetrates the human heart. This truth is convicting because we know, because we know he knows our sins and motives but it's comforting because he still chooses to love us. His omniscience gives us peace for three reasons. The future is secure. We are always heard and we have security in his love. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for your omniscience. So here's two challenges for the week. They're simple and they're beautiful. The first one is I challenge you this week 
to pray with a new humility, to come to God with open hands, that everything that we pray for comes with thanks and worship and every prayer request that we make towards our God. Scripture tells us, don't be stressed about anything, but pray about everything. So he intends for us to come to him with our prayers. But let us come to him with prayers, not to try to sway him, but with prayers that we will be molded and swayed by him, that we will align with his will in his heart with faith that everything is in his hands. You know what? Our faith doesn't get us our way. That's a heresy. Our faith does not get what we want in prayer. Our faith is surrender to he who is in control. That's our faith. And we can endure crazy hardships when we know that God is omniscient and sovereign. So let's pray with humility this week. The second challenge is actually coming from Pastor Ben. I loved this, and I'm trying to remember it for myself, that we lay down at night on the pillow of providence, the pillow of knowing that he is in all control so there is nothing for us to stress about. Because if he actually knew from the beginning of time everything that's going to happen in our lives, if his knowledge is actually current with exactly what I'm going through, if he knows my heart, and if he has a will for me, then every night when I lay down, I can lay down in peace. No matter what my circumstances are. So I challenge you to remember for the next seven nights, put it as a reminder on your phone, put a note by your bed, whatever you got to do, remember for the next seven nights that you're going to lay down on the pillow of providence. Shout out to Pastor Ben. Thank you, Lord, for your omniscience. Lord, I'm thrilled to study you. And I pray that we become a people who hunger after the knowledge of you. Lord, if there is anyone in here who is rattled by their circumstances, who may have experienced a death or a hardship or something that came totally out of the blue, Lord, I pray that you will work in their heart to give them peace beyond what they can understand and remind them that you were not surprised by this. You were ahead of the game. You are in control. And no matter how bad it seems, and Lord, I pray that you will take terrible situations and you will bring your name glory. You will take awful situations and you will bring about the good of those who love you. Break our hearts from needing to be in control. You know, this reminds me of something that R.C. Sproul was talking about. You can look up. We get interrupted, but God doesn't. About how in the Old Testament, God actually had really, really strong punishments against people that would go to soothsayers and fortune tellers. God stood strong against it. He would curse the people that would go to these things because man always seems to be in this reach to know what's going to happen next. Don't we strive and fight? Don't we strain and struggle to try to predict the future? We spend way too much on the Weather Channel. But you know what? When we get wet, we survive. We spend way too much time trying to see around the corner, trying to watch the market, trying to to figure out what our teachers are going to do next, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're always reaching for the future. And at some point, for a believer, we have to stop and rest in faith. That our God is all-knowing, that our God is taking care of us, and if he hasn't told us what's what's in the future, what's around the corner, it's because he doesn't want us to know. 
It's actually his desire that we walk in faith without knowing the outcome. And that is his will. And every time that we try to fight against that, every time we try to grab for something that is outside of what he has revealed to us, we're actually trying to work against him. When he has called us to walk in what is today. Because tomorrow's, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. What does Jesus say? Tomorrow has enough pressures for itself. Isn't it Jesus that's always talking about resting? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Why? His burden is easy. His yoke is light. Why? Because we can rest in his omniscience, in his sovereignty. May we be a people that lay down on the pillow of providence. May we be the people that stop trying to predict the future and we start listening to what God is speaking today. I think so many times we turn our ears off to today and we look too far for tomorrow. But God is speaking now. He is walking with us now. I can't wait to get to omnipresence next week. I'm like fired up about that one. May we be a people that rest in God's omniscience. Part two of closing prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are omniscient. Let us be a people that rest. Separate us from everyone who doesn't know you by the lack of stress marks on our face. Because we can rest. Because you know us. You know every aspect about us, and you love us unconditionally. Who is like you, our God? We give you this coming week, and we give to you everything that will happen in this coming week. And I pray that we will hold on to the recognition that you are with us in it, day by day. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.